Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. Hi, everybody. Chris Gathard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the World, baby. Hi. You're going to hear an interview today. It's with Greg Stone and Anthony DeVito, two very funny friends of mine. I'll talk more about them in a second. First, I have to thank the people who are supporting us. Thank you to everybody who's buying t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash chrisgethard. Thanks to everybody who's joined up at patreon.com slash newjerseyistheworld. And uh, thanks to everybody who's buying tickets for our upcoming March 2nd show at the House of Independence Electroshock Karaoke, where I will be uh, electrocuted if I mess up the lyrics to some Jersey classics. The Jersey Devil is auditioning for the front bottoms. And we are going to have a slushy machine serving uh, boost. Get your tickets, houseofindependence.com. Now, before we get to today's episode, I've been having a lot of joy airing out some of your voicemails. One thing that I love is people will often leave voicemails suggesting topics for episodes. Now, this one gave me delight. Um, Do I think there's a whole episode here? I don't, but I love this voicemail. And I have a feeling other people are going to say, Gethard, you're wrong. You absolutely have to do that. And I think other people are going to call us at 973-780-4660 and tell us about all the uh, joyous and strange and screwed up things they've seen in libraries. Listen to this. You'll know more of what I mean. Hey, Chris. Uh, This is Carl. I'm from Newark. Uh, Loving the show. I guess listen to your episode where you reviewed Pete Genovese's list of the best thing in every town in New Jersey. And I actually think Pete made a big omission in a lot of these really small Jersey towns. I think if you asked a lot of the residents of some of these really tiny towns what their favorite thing about their hometown is, they would say the public library. Um, I'm, I'm a graduate of Rutgers Library Science Program, and I've been a public librarian in New Jersey most of my working adult life. And I got to say that our state does have a significantly better library system than what I've seen in other parts of the country. Um, I, I grew up in Bergen County, and I later worked for a Buckles Library, which is just a massive library consortium. I think it's over 70 libraries. I don't know the exact number, but it's huge, where you can borrow and visit any of these libraries with a single card. Um, you, even the tiniest little towns that, you know, a couple hundred people basically know downtown, even most of these towns have their own libraries, and many of them are in historic buildings that are just, like, surprisingly beautiful. And I, I think you could get a lot of content doing a show about New Jersey's libraries. Um, I can say as somebody who's worked in them for, you know, a bunch of years now, that some absolutely bonkers things happen in public libraries. Um, they're just free places that people can stay all day. So you see some incredibly bizarre behavior that I, I don't think you get just working in retail. And there's also a lot of childhood mischief that takes place in libraries. Um, maybe when you visited the West Orange Library as a kid, you engaged in some of that mischief. But I, I catch kids doing ridiculous stuff in, in my library all the time. Sometimes I got to be the bad guy and yell at them, but it's often really hilarious and reminds me of the things I did with my friends in our little town library when I was younger. So, yeah, that's my pitch for you to do a show. Jersey's library history and library culture is just surprisingly excellent. And I, I visit libraries in other states, and they're not as good. There's not as many of them. Um, so if you're interested in this episode, please 
do it. Reach out to me. I'm happy to, to help with any of that research or, or contribute in any way that you need. All right. Take care. Carl, thanks so much. I don't know that I personally can talk for 50 to 70 minutes about libraries. But I, I just, I also am getting, a, I, over the year we've done this show, I also have a real sense of the people who listen to it. And I have a feeling they might call up and just go, no, here's, a, here's 95 amazing stories about libraries in New Jersey. And then all, next thing you know, we're doing a libraries episode and it becomes our most popular episode ever. And I sit here and I go, it's weird how life unfolds sometimes. So <laughs> if you're on the Patreon, leave a comment if you want more library content. And if you got a good story about a library, 973-780-4660. Now, in the meantime, speaking of good stories, these two guys have them. Anthony DeVito, Greg Stone. These are two of the funniest stand-up comics in New York. You find them in all different clubs in New York City, um, all over the country performing live really really great nice funny guys anthony's doing a show right now called my dad is not danny devito that it has so many jersey tie-ins about his family history keep an eye out for it greg does a show called friday night greg follow him on instagram for that and he also does this thing called night cream where he has a band that's just him improvising and it's so dumb and so funny and all the things these guys do is great um they're from bloomfield right down the road from West Orange. And we talk about that. We talk about what it's like being an artist from our area. We talk about some of the things they saw growing up in Bloomfield, some of the experiences that echo stuff that me and Mike and Nick talk about a lot. And it's just, I will say, this one is just straight up a couple of very funny guys going on some funny tangents. There's also a stretch that I love, that I hope you love too, because I went straight from doing college improv to improv in New York and there's a pretty thriving Jersey scene and I skipped it because I, I went to college into the city route. Greg and Anthony have some amazing stories about what it's like and what it was like for them putting on their own shows in Jersey, jumping on bills with, with random artists from New Jersey. And we talk about a lot what it's like to be an artist from New Jersey from towns like Bloomfield and West Orange where it doesn't necessarily seem possible and you wind up around you just wind up in situations you don't expect so an enjoyable lovely conversation about North Jersey and specifically being artists from North Jersey when your background is not necessarily lending itself towards stuff that feels gentle and thoughtful I really loved this I hope you do too thanks to Anthony thanks to Greg Please follow them anywhere you can find them and support their work. They are true, true artists of New Jersey. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Chris Gathard here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the World. Now, I've been doing these interviews for a while as part of the show. I mean, I've interviewed no less than the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy. I've interviewed congressional candidates. I've interviewed the head of the New Jersey branch of the ACLU, and today we've got um, two New Jersey figures who I would say are as or more impactful than all of those people. It's uh, some old buddies of mine from the comedy scene, some guys who I have uh, known and greatly admired for years. Bloomfield's own Anthony DeVito, Greg Stone. How are you guys? What's up, man? Good. Good, man. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, really good. It is true. These, these interviews have kind of taken on a tenor that's a little more serious. The the only interview I've done with a comedian was I I, uh, I interviewed Alexis Guerreros about growing up in Newark. Yeah. Um, and Greg, I don't know if you caught wind of that one. I did pick up on the fact that you and him have like a weird tension. What is it? I have a weird tension with him. No, he, he says that he's, uh, he, he told me that he, I mentioned that we, we, were, we were talking about other Jersey comedians and I said, Christ. and Greg grew up from Bloomfield right next to Nork. And he said, yeah, but I've heard Greg say he grew up in Nork a couple of times and I've had to tell him like, yo, that's not the case. Yeah. First of all, he's never said that. He's never, ever come close to saying that. I grew up one block out of Newark. Sorry of saying Bloomfield on stage. People don't go, oh, I get who you are. Yeah, no, people understand Newark. They don't understand Bloomfield. And if that motherfucker ever said that shit to me, I would let his ass know because he ain't really fucking Newark. So fuck him. Now, I did see, I ran into Anthony last month and he told me you have this opinion. So I did immediately bait you into a fight. Well, because people love comedy controversies. So uh, let's make it our numbers now. Right? Yeah, man. What I, I don't think there's been a comedy controversy that would be so localized as a Nork feud between <laughs> Alexis Guerrero's and Greg. So. Oh, believe it. For the people who love this podcast, this is. I mean, we just did a. Oh, sure. We just did a food review episode that's about a drink called Boost that's only popular along the river towns of Burlington County. So we're going to talk about hyper localized. <laughs> That's what we do here. Stone versus DeVito. I got, we got a monthly show at Asbury Park. You guys should come down. We'll have a roast battle. Bloomfield versus North. Right? Those were popular three years ago. Roast battle. It just needs people to understand that in comedy. How does he not understand that? When you're doing a joke, I can't be like, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I grew up in a weird place. I grew up in Bloomfield, New Jersey. You'd know it more if I said Newark, New Jersey, which is close to East Orange. If you That doesn't, that ruins the bit. So you just go, yeah, I grew up in Newark because I'm a block away. Right. I'm not mad about it. I just, I'm furious. That's not why I brought you here. I'm just, it's not, here's why I brought you guys here. So what, we do a few shows here on the New Jersey is the world thing. We do these interviews. I mentioned the food reviews, but the, I would say sort of the flagship show is me and a couple of my buddies from West Orange just telling pretty much weird stories about growing up in West Orange because it was a weird place. And I realized I've always, I feel like ever since I met you guys, we've had a kinship because you're from Bloomfield. And those towns are two towns away. It's really just, Mo it's West Orange, then Montclair, then Bloomfield. Yeah. They're similar towns in that whichever side of town you're from really defines your experience. There's some tension between the different sides of town. Um, <laughs> yeah. To say the least. Let's get into it. And we're also all artists who came from a similar space. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. Because I, I actually, I live back in Jersey again. And I was driving in West Orange the other week. I drove through my old neighborhood and... I lived on the side of a, a hill in West Orange where you could see the New York City skyline. And I feel like Bloomfield's a, a similar thing where it's like your awareness of New York City. You guys had train stations. We didn't have those. It's 15 miles tops to get there. Like, yeah. As young guys with artistic inclinations, coming up in Essex County, New Jersey, that close to the city, I think a lot of people would say, oh, that must have made it easier because you had access to comedy. Would you say being that close to the city was made it easier or harder for you to pursue being artists? I think about this a lot. Dr. Lavender, go first. Well, yeah, you know, I always got an answer, so I always let you go first. So I don't talk the whole time. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy because New Jersey stand-up comedians, in my opinion, a lot of them, because they're, if you're a New Jersey comic, usually they don't go anywhere because you would just go to the city. 
So most of these people in New Jersey tell you, ah, the city, they can only do 15 minutes. They can't do a 45. They don't fucking whatever. They don't got the chops. And it's like, no, man, like you're 15 minutes away, but it might as well be as far. Never did. It didn't really mean anything to me being this close until now that I have a kid that I can get home and get the kid, like raise the kid and give them their grandparents quickly. But I swear to me, in my opinion, New Jersey being 15 minutes away might as well have been a hundred miles because you, that bridge is a bridge is too expensive to cross when you're only making seven grand a year. And, um, it's like my family won't come see me. So they might as well have been in Minnesota. <laughs> well, I also think there's such a cultural divide between what New York represents and what New Jersey represents, especially where we're all from in North Jersey. It's super blue collar and it's super, um, anti what I get. I think they think of what New York is. Yeah. So the idea of going to New York for anything is like selling out their whole moral code. Like um, I, I, I remember people being like, why would I go to New York? I, I live in I, I here, like Jersey. This is the capital of the world. And it's like people fly from like Germany to visit New York for a week. <laughs> and like you're too proud to cross the bridge, man. <laughs> They got pizza. I got pizza. We all got pizza. That's how they are. Oh, they got hoagies. We got hoagies. No one says hoagies. Did you guys have a similar thing that we had where I, I remember growing up that there were some kids whose uh, parents would work in the city and we were kind of subtly mad about that. Those kids would kind of be made fun of as like, you think you're better than us just because your dad works in the city. Uh. Like that was a demarcation. That was like a very sort of like class line of like, you think you're better, but but we're we're going to make fun of you because your dad works and your dad takes a bus to the city every day. Yeah, and now you will be tortured. Was that a thing in Bloomfield as well? I, I would say well, Anthony's dad took a bus to heaven. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to do right. that. Sorry. <laughs> By the way, Greg, it wasn't a bus. Um, uh, uh, I I felt that in my own family because my aunt, my aunt Marlene used to work in the city, uh, and my uncle used to like she would come home and like you know she'd make her arguments about the world whatever it was, and he'd be like she doesn't live in the real world because because she's not an iron worker in uh in Bergen County like she has no scope of what reality is. It's really wild. Now talk to me. Um... I wanted. To, there's a game I sometimes like to play on the show. I've done this with my co-hosts from West Orange. Essex County is so densely packed. Greg, when you and I got to know each other, because I feel like we'd crossed paths a handful of times. But the first time we spoke, Greg, I remember you telling me you were pals with some guys from West Orange who I was really tight with in high school. Yeah, Jamie. Who was like one of my very, very good friends from sixth grade until this day. We stay in touch. Yeah. So I immediately knew like, oh, okay, like you probably can you probably collect too many action figures and that's proven true based on your instagram yeah. um yeah so culturally i knew like we were similar people there's a thing about essex county which is all these towns have opinions on each other and we're <laughs> yeah. all right on top of each other yeah. so i want to do a quick thing with you guys which is just like an essex county breakdown and the way i always like to envision in this is this you wind up in a car you're driving around you could wind up in a diner. Now in Bloomfield, that would be the Nevada. That would be Willie's back in the day for us. Or you could wind up at the Versailles and Fairfield, the Pilgrim up on 23. If you're in West Orange, it's the Eagle Rock. I'm dropping names of places you guys have probably driven past or been through. Like I, I, I'm pretty positive you've been to the Pilgrim Diner 150 times in your life as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Pilgrim's a good one because it's neutral to both Bloomfield and West Orange. When you went to the Pilgrim Diner, you would very often see a lot of different varsity jackets passing through on weekend nights. And it and you'd sort of be processing always what that meant. 
So I want to play this diner game with you guys. So like, if you're from Bloomfield, if you're a Bloomfield kid and you're in the Pilgrim Diner, which other Essex County towns, like if a West Essex jacket walks in, you're like, I can liberally throw French fries at those kids and they're not even going to say anything to me, right? Yeah. No. 100%. Yes. Like those kids we can make fun of to their faces. Yeah. Like what are the jacket, what are the different jackets you see coming through? What do they mean to you? These different towns. Well, Belleville would always be such a threat. Scary. Yeah. Uh, scary. Might have to fight this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Belleville. <laughs> there, was, there might be a fight tonight. Yeah. So much animosity coming from Belleville. Clifton was a little sketchy, too, only because I think Clifton and Bloomfield share this similar sort of position that they don't know they're Belleville. So because of that, they're more bitter rivals. Belleville was like, you know what they were. Uh, So I would always get a little nervous about Clifton in a weird way, just because I feel like we both had something to prove. Clifton's also a town that is not in Essex County, and I always think it is. Oh, me too. I think Nutley is not, and Clifton is, but that's Clifton specific. But you're right. right. Clifton and Bloomfield, again, similar. Like I remember doing this with my mom once. And say, and I remember I brought up Bloomfield and I said to her, Bloomfield kid, if a West Orange kid saw a Bloomfield kid, like our opinion of you guys was like, you're, everything's probably going to be fine, but don't push it. <laughs> like if you're being loud assholes and you get the sense they want you to quiet down, like you're probably going to quiet down. And then my mom said, yeah, and Bloomfield, that's true. And if it's Belleville, you honestly just get the check and leave. <laughs> like that was my mom's opinion on Belleville was like, those kids were looking for trouble. Yeah. Bloomfield, you might find trouble. Um, what do you guys do if you see a Cedar Grove jacket, a Verona jacket? Every if I see Cedar Cedar Grove, Wayne, uh, West Orange, I go. Does this guy think he's better than me? Does that guy think he's better than me? That guy thinks he's better than me. They're all you all got money. If I see Clifton, I go. Maybe this guy thinks he's like me. But Nutley, all these rich fucking right. people, West Orange, I go. They're cool, but they got some hot chicks. For me, it's more around like who's got hot chicks. Nutley had hot chicks. <laughs> uh, Belvolt, no get out of there she's you know her fingernails are too long uh they're too mean so you thought west orange had money you thought west orange was a money town because parts of it definitely it's like uh we're co- we don't act like we got money but we got a little bit of money we got a little bit of money so we're just we're just another cedar grove or verona to you guys to me everybody's wayne because i'm <laughs> the south <laughs> end of bloomfield everybody's wayne you're all wayne right and then wayne was like we're not wayne we're wayne hills i'm like you're all wayne Okay, you're all Wayne. <laughs> Wayne, I, I feel like Wayne kids. I was once at the abandonment. You know, a story that I love that I can say to you guys. I was once at the abandoned mental hospital up in Verona, in Cedar Grove, that we all used to break into. I was there with a friend, and a bunch of Wayne kids showed up, and they were all shirtless and all carrying hammers. <laughs> and I always, I was like, I don't think Wayne kids are like like Belleville. I'm like those kids are like street, like they they have some street smarts, toughness to them. Wayne kids are more the types of kids who I feel like they can afford like real cocaine in high school and can crash a car and not get in trouble for it. So if they hit you with a hammer, they already have a lawyer lined up. Like they're crazy (laughs) in that way. Like Wayne people can be crazy in that way. Like a designer drug way. Right. I always felt. Yeah. Yeah. Rutherford kids. I liked if I see a Rutherford kid, Uh I'm like, all right, he's cool. Uh, Rutherford guys are all right. You know, Bevel's too low. Wayne's too high. But I love already tracking oranges. that so much more of the people you encounter revolve around Route 3 and 46 than me. Yes. Yours are all towns off 3 and 46. <laughs> we were a little bit further. We were much more likely to encounter like a Livingston kid or a Milburn kid than I bet you guys were out in the wild. Oh, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Livingston and Milburn, it was like, I, I'm eating. I'm, you know, I'll, 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 I'm taking your food and you're going to pay for it. No way. <laughs> like if I am drunk and my friends are drunk and I want to make my friends laugh, I will be a dickhead to you consequence free. I assume and not, it's not always how it ended. Yeah. And my, and my, some of my basis too was like in sports a little bit. So I would go off like, cause we weren't very good at basketball. We were horrendous, but if we were able to beat you in basketball, it was like, Oh, you must be so weak. And unathletic. <laughs> like saddle river, like any towns like that, where we would just cream them in basketball. I'd be like, these are some soft bone weak kids. <laughs> This is exactly what I wanted. This is why, because we've been bringing in these politicians and activists and they're noble people and I like spreading their causes, but this is what I want. <laughs> a couple of comedians who do not care about this project talking <laughs> shit about Saddle River. That's what I bring in DeVito and Stone for. Yeah, I mean, my experience is a little different because for me, the kids I would see more were East Orange kids, uh, Newark kids, uh, Belleville. Um, those were the people I didn't deal with. I dealt with Lua Clifton. I didn't really deal with Glenn Ridge. If I saw a Glenn Ridge kid, he better run. Oh. If we saw him, we went, that's, that's fresh meat. Those Let gas me lampers? I'm Those goddamn right gas now. lampers. I'm going to hunt. Yeah. Oh, looks like we eat good tonight. And I grab him and start biting pieces out of his back as he's trying to run away. So we can physically describe it. So Greg, you're growing up in the corner of town. And I know mostly from taking that train line. East Orange, Bloomfield, Newark, they all sort of smash together right around like Watsessing Avenue, right? Isn't that yeah. one of those areas yeah, yeah, right yeah. there? That's a little bit north of me, but yeah, yeah. Watsessing Ave, that's like, it's there. I, where I was at was uh, literally, I lived off like, a, it was a, it was a Grove Street, it was like East Orange, Newark, and then my house was here. They would really, they would walk, steal your bike so they could ride the bike into Newark and steal the car. And then cut, they would steal cars and then they wouldn't chase them out of Newark. So like, where I grew up, my block was the highest rated car stolen in like the country, like seven years in a row. It was like, it was right. an insane amount of point of pride. It was pride. We loved it. We saluted him and said, we will go get him. Get another one. That's mine. I don't care. Take mine. Now talk to me about it. Cause you can grow up in Bluefield where it's like that, where you feel like East Orange, Belleville, uh, Newark right there. Yeah. Or you can grow up on the side of Bloomfield, which is right up against Montclair and Glen Ridge. And those are two very, very different existences. And West Orange people, I think, identify with that greatly too. Whatever side of town you're on, if you're up the hill, down the hill, if you're on one side of this park or the other, you're just living a different life. Anthony, I think if I remember, right, I don't want to put mm -hmm. words in your mouth. You grew up on the other side of town from Greg. Yeah. I grew up on the north side of town, which um, was... Uh, not as hairy, I would say. I think that might be a good way. <laughs> not as many stolen cars, more above ground pools. Um, and it was closer to, yeah, Clifton, Montclair, uh, those places. So that's what was, I remember was like a culture shock going to middle school because like where I, where I grew up, um, very different from where Greg grew up. And then everybody came together in middle school. And I just remember the first day of class in middle school, this kid, this kid was, um, the teacher was doing role and he was like a Scott here. And he just goes, no, no, no. I don't go by Scott. My name is Terrell. You call me Terrell. And the teachers just went, all right, Terrell. And like, that was it. And I was like, I've never seen a kid pull a move like that. It was, um, and he used to steal car ornaments and give them to me, um, as like a tote, like to be friends with me. Like a dog would yeah. bring a, would, like would bring a rat home to it yeah, with yeah. its owner. 
<laughs> it was a very sweet gesture, but that's all I knew. Yeah. This is reminding me too. I wonder if you guys did Bloomfield schools have the same thing. West Orange, West Orange was like a decent school system. You know, you got Milburn, which is one of the highest rated public schools in the country. Every year it's like top 10 in the country. Oh, yeah. You got West Essex High, really, really great show school rather. And then varying degrees of what you get in other parts of Essex County and West Orange was like nice enough. So you had, I remember there was a kid in my grade who was Lewis and then junior of high school, he was Carlos because <laughs> he apparently lived in uh, either Belleville or Newark, but the schools in West Orange were better. And he had an aunt or a grandmother who had an address there, but they got caught. Yeah. So then he re-registered from another relative's address in West Orange <laughs> under a different name. And I'm not saying that to like, I loved that kid. He was a really nice, funny kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the name switch halfway through the schooling experience, a lot of times with us, it was like, oh, I guess you're from Irvington or Newark or something, and you're getting by with a better school. More power to you. You got to do what you got to do to survive. Yeah. You know, which I, I never really thought about that. Maybe that's why Terrell, that's why he was Terrell, maybe. I didn't really, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I would say in his case, um, that was the case often. I agree, 100%. <laughs> but in Terrell's case, that was not the case. That was him going like, I, this is my classroom. I know you think you're the teacher. Yeah. I, 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 this is my, my domain. Um, but uh, yeah, that would happen in basketball where kids would, um, go to Bloomfield living somewhere else and then they would be found out and literally half the basketball team was wiped away um, because of that. I just looked up um, Essex County towns by population. And here's the main difference between Bloomfield and West Orange. Eerily similar size in the sense of Bloomfield has about 47,300 residents. West Orange has 46,200. Bloomfield is 5.3 square miles and uh, West Orange is over 12. So it's almost exactly the same amount of people, except you we guys pack them, in. them into less than half the space. <laughs> yeah. We like to live our town like the, like the number 11 bus. You fill as many people on there as you can. <laughs> and you just let that baby go. <laughs> I do want to ask, because you guys have to have caught wind. How do you feel about the fact that Bloomfield is becoming like the next uh, hotspot for New Yorkers to go move to? No, I hate it. I'm going to go there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there and just start throwing fucking firebombs at places in the South End. What? I just, this place needs, I don't want this place getting better. You can't say that into a microphone, Greg. What? Well, I'm not really going to do it. <laughs> I meant like meant proverbial firebombs. Let's proverbial. make it clear. Metaphorical. You're not, if there's any firebombings in coming weeks, it was just so specific. <laughs> that was the problem. And it sounded so serious. Like, no, no, I'm gonna go, no, firebombs. Eggs, eggs isn't funny enough. Go bigger. Firebomb. You can't firebombs. do that. It's terrifying. So you look at it. That's not funny. That's really threat. scary. Yeah. No. But I see it. I'm so mad because, like, I tell yeah. people that's where I'm from, and then yeah. they go there and they go, "This is such a nice place." And I go, "You don't know what it used to be like. <laughs> it used to be. We used to have a club called Dirt. There's a club <laughs> called oh, Dirt. Dirt Club. Was famous, yeah. <laughs> and the guy who ran it, his name was Johnny Dirt. <laughs> Johnny I, Dirt. I never went, but that guy was like legendary. When I was going to punk shows, everybody always heard about the Dirt Club in Bloomfield and Johnny Dirt. Yeah, that was yeah, that was like down the block from where I grew up. But it was uh, my mom. My mom drove by and went. No matter what happens, you never go there. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know because I was too young for it. Really, uh, I think. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it was closed before my time, and I think I'm older than you. Yeah, but I remember driving by and being like, "Dirt." I'm 12 and I know don't go into a place called dirt. <laughs> I, when we moved back to Jersey, you know, my wife has, is not from Jersey. And when, 
we first went to look, she goes, well, I've got a lot of friends who have moved to Montclair and Maplewood because it's where all the Brooklyn people go. She goes, let's look there. And I was like, you don't want to deal with the taxes and like it, Maplewood, it's the taxes, Montclair. Let's be honest. We're going to talk about Montclair in a second. Okay. Um, but when we were looking at houses in Montclair, um, the realtor saw us as city people and was like, Hey, just so you guys know, like prices are really high in Montclair, but the next spot is Bloomfield. So I can show you a bunch of spots in Bloomfield. And I just looked at him. I was like, I grew up in West Orange, like Bloomfield's fine. Like, you're not going to convince me that Bloomfield is somehow <laughs> green point. Like this idea that the idea that the New York times said Maplewood is the new Brooklyn. I'm like, Maplewood's fine. Yeah. But I've lived in Brooklyn right, right. and I lived in West stars. I've been to Maplewood a hundred times. It's, it's fine. It's not Brooklyn. Bloomfield's not going to be Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a, that's an impossible sell to be like Clifton, just like Iwanis, I just as cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think Clifton's another one they're trying. They're starting to see it with spillover into West Orange too, into some of the areas that are not the nicest, but they're close to train lines. It's like, oh my God, man, these towns are really yeah. changing. These towns are really changing. We had a uh, light rail they built, like almost like a block from my house that would take you to Newark, that would take you to the path, that would take you to the city. But right. what's so funny is it like, oh, it's so great. It's like, is it? Because if you do it, it takes you two hours to get to the city. It is 15 miles away. Take an Uber. Like this light rail was, the light rail was a 45 minute ride just to get to Newark. And you were like, I'll just walk. We also met, I interviewed a guy, he's a rapper and a housing activist named Daniel Joseph. And he grew up in the Ironbound. And I asked him, I said, you know, cause my whole thing in talking to people from Newark is if I'm being honest, if I'm being totally honest, I'm like, I was trained to fear Newark and did not spend much time there growing up. And I uh, have been talking to people fr- under the premise of like, yeah, it's very weird to me that I'm Jersey obsessed. And I grew up a 10 minute drive from the border of Newark and barely ever stepped foot there. Like, and I asked him like, where should I go? What should I do? If I want to go spend money in Newark, what are the things he was breaking it down? He goes, I would just say like Newark's safer than people claim and it's safer than it used to be, but don't take the light rail after like, 10 o'clock he was like don't fuck around with that light rail after a certain point people they would never check your ticket people would just go on a light rail and just hang out be drinking on a light rail because there's no one checking tickets it's just a moving bar and for meth heads and drunks yeah i have a very specific memory of being on the light rail with your brother yeah and got trying to buy a ticket and joe looked at me your brother looked at me as like what like don't ever do that in my presence <laughs> Nothing. There's no. This is a lawless uh, piece of transportation. You'll be just fine. If they see you buy a ticket, they know you're fresh meat. Right. They know you don't belong there. Yeah. I look like a Glen Ridge kid. You're like this man's buying a ticket. Yeah. Grab his wallet. Grab his shoes. <laughs> and that's the driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Driver has your glasses on. Like, oh, I needed to be able to see now. You steal your glasses. <laughs> We're making a couple stops. Uh, I don't know if this is like ethnically okay. Oh boy! But like, whenever I talk about <laughs> then don't hometown, then don't <laughs> no, it's okay. It's so fine. I mean, I think it's fine. It is what I am. I am what I am. Whenever I talk about home, my voice refers back to how I used to talk hmm. when I grew up. Which now people might say is like whatever, but it's not. That's how we were. Re- that's how we talked when we grew up. Like when I go, yeah, they're gonna get you. Like that's how we talked until I moved to Astoria, Queens and, you know, became like an adult, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's weird that when we talk about these things, I, ref- I, I go back into that personality. I, Does that makes sense. 100% get it. I had a real Jersey accent 
And I, I mean, I went to West Orange High, then I went to Rutgers. And when I started going to the city to do comedy, I guess used to be, and people were like ruthlessly making fun of how I spoke. And I legitimately had no idea. Like I had like a uh, Sopranos-esque, horrible, terrible coffee. <laughs> like I grew up like that accent and had no idea. I just only spent time in Jersey for the first 24 years of my life. And then when I got to the city, people would... They'd be like, what are you talking? I'd be like, yeah, you know, like various things, this and that. And they'd be like, various? <laughs> and I still don't know how to say sore. People still don't know what I'm like when I'm talking about like a drainage grate at the end of a block. Oh, yeah. And I say sore, S E W E R. To this day, I think I say that wrong to 99% of America. What's the right way? They say like sewer. Like sewer. They say the Ninja Turtles used to live in a sewer. 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 Whereas I always grew up yeah. saying sore, like S O R E. Sore. Like a bird soars. Oh, yeah. Right. Like sore. Like it, uh, where like somebody's got to fish the wiffle ball, it fell down in the sewer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That could have been a head injury as well, but I've got a lot of those. It could just be that I'm <laughs> unrelatable person. Now, we did talk about a lot of Essex County towns, kind of flitted around, and we skipped a big one. Everyone in Essex County has opinions on Montclair. And I have to imagine that if you grew up in Bloomfield, you have strong opinions on Montclair. Talk to me about this. I do. So I just met a guy the other day and this is making me crazy. He was kid who kid who went to Juilliard um, and all this other stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, Dominican uh, Puerto Rican guy, kid and um, real like smart kid went to like whatever schools and whatever. And then I was like, Oh dude, where are you from? And he was like Montclair. And I wanted to go, yeah, but what part of Montclair? Because when you're talking Montclair, you have part of Montclair that is rough and is like, you know, there's some tough guys there. But then you have some of the richest people in New Jersey, Montclair. And a lot of the kids in the richest part of Montclair like to pretend they're from the other part of Montclair. And I have to, I get an address. Whenever you say Montclair, I go, what was your address? And I, and I Google it and I look at them and I go, all right, you're real. All right, you're real. How close to the Iris Garden did you grow up? <laughs> yeah, same. Because when, when I was like, sorry, he's Dominican, Puerto Rican. I'm like, okay, maybe you're one of us, you know, maybe you're whatever. But then he was like, Juilliard. And I was like, maybe you're not. Give me that address. Give me that address. Let me look you up. <laughs> I gotta look him up. Because Montclair longer. is like Bloomfield, a very diverse town yeah. where the North end is very wealthy and the, the, the South end is, was very poor. I would say, I wonder if you guys would agree with this. If you're in the diner and Montclair varsity jackets show up, you don't mess with those people because a lot of the wealth in Montclair goes to Montclair Kimberly or to, you know, Petty and Del Barton and boarding schools. Yeah. Montclair high always had a reputation, at least when I was growing up for being like, like, those kids have a screw loose at times. Don't mess with kids from Montclair high because I think it was concentrated with all the people who didn't have money from Montclair. And uh, that was the reputation on that school was like, yeah, Montclair is like the artsy coffee shop town, but their high school don't mess with those kids. They'll, they got something to prove yeah. and they're angry that the rest of you hate them. Like that was kind of the vibe. <laughs> yeah. And even if they were like a, a weaker kid or whatever, they had to go to that high school. So it's like right. something might've happened there. Like they would, they would have to toughen up to survive at Montclair high. Yeah. Cause you are true to what you're saying about like, yeah, if you had like that much wealth, you're going to go to Montclair Kimberly and you're not going to go to Montclair high. Um, Montclair yeah. Kimberly kids. Those are the rich kids. Yeah. Yeah. The Kimberly kids. Yes. Kimberly sounds rich. Yes. MKA. Yeah. MKA. Yeah. I don't even think you had ever seen one of those, Greg. Yeah, Greg. No. I think this, I think you're just becoming <laughs> aware of them. 
Unless it was in the back of a Honda Civic. I'd never seen it. <laughs> they had their own high school. They all went to it. It was only rich kids. Wow. Yeah. No. They didn't let my eyes in there. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Just turn around. When you say Montclair, are, is, is Upper Montclair under the umbrella of Montclair? Or are we seeing that as like a completely different entity? I do. Do you not? <laughs> no, I was asking. Yeah, I was asking. Was that for the group or was that for me? I'm sorry. No, that was for the group. I mean, you're part of the group, so it's always for you. The group is only three people. <laughs> yeah. so, 50% chance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's your position. Very good. Uh, yeah, Gather, what do you think about that? I think it's one of the weirdest towns. It's got to be one of the weirdest towns in the country because everyone in Essex County, like, I don't know about you guys. Like we used to walk from my area, West Orange, which was like the Irish Catholic neighborhood, like a perfectly fine neighborhood with houses that were all right next to each other. Um, working class, blue collar. And you'd walk to Bloomfield Ave and you'd literally walk past Yogi Berra's house. <laughs> you'd walk yeah. past Whitney yeah. Houston's house. We all heard rumors. Oh, that's Whitney Houston's house. You'd walk past the Mockler Art Museum then you get to Bloomfield Ave and then all of a sudden you're like, and now I can go to like, I can go buy like punk rock records. And if I have a job interview in high school where I've smoked weed too recently, I can go buy the goo to drink it. Cause there's some like weird anarchist head shop in Montclair that I can go like get that stuff that turns your pee neon green, but they won't be able to detect any drugs in your pee. And yeah, you could also go get like a Michelin star restaurant from a place that I would right. never know how to dress <laughs> to go there. Yeah. Like, I'd be scared to touch the silverware in the wrong order, but you could also go to the Montclair book center and get like copies of the fucking anarchist cookbook so it's like simultaneously, I'm like, oh my God, that town's like what a boon it was to my existence as a kid. Like it offered so much entryway into real culture in a way where I'm like, thank God Montclair was there. But it did always feel like we were less than Montclair as well. It was the coolest area, man. It really did. They had all the, that's where I used to go see all the punk shows. That was where like, you know, we used to go to Cafe Eclectic to get, yeah. I, would watch, I watched my first improv there. I saw what was that? What were they called? Sex positions or something? There was like a improv group. Possible side effects. Possible side effects. I used to perform with them at Cafe Eclectic. Really? Yeah, I used to sit in with them. I've seen you. Why did you think? I mean, sex positions and possible side <laughs> effects are very different names. Can you imagine if there yeah. was an improv group called <laughs> Sex Positions? I would argue. Start it. Sex Positions definitely is not an improv group. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come in there? Yeah, you're hundred percent. It definitely wasn't sex positions. It's Greg's latest jazz record. <laughs> <laughs> but it was before I would drink because I didn't even. Dr I was straight edge, so I was like, you know, I don't know, older. And uh, so we would go to Cafe Eclectic because I didn't feel like an idiot, and I would get my like hot cocoa and I watch some improv and try to <laughs> talk to girls that, and they, you know, they'd tell me to go away and. I did, you know, I'm a cool guy, you know, I didn't push it too hard. You know what I mean? They say go away, so I go away. That's what you do. It's the right thing to do. This is I don't like know why this is a part of the story I'm honing in on. There was Cafe Eclectic, there were the record, there was Let It Rock was the punk rock record store. Let It Rock! Middle Earth was the comic book store that had like yeah. all this weird underground R. Crumb type, like independent stuff. The Montclair Book Center is still one of the best bookstores ever. The movie theater, the Rascals Comedy Club even eventually came up. Yeah, the Claridge, the Claridge right. Cinema with the theater underneath. Tierney, you could go see stuff upstairs at Tierney sometimes, like music and comedy. Yeah. It had it all, but it always felt a little bit like... I always felt like when we would go there, we would kind of like walk there with our heads down and buy what we were going to buy and then get out. Yeah. Because we felt a little bit like we did not belong and that people knew that. Right. 
Well, I think it's because they had that section of a tent. You know what I mean? Like even like the ceiling for Bloomfield is only so much, but Montclair having that, it's like, well, you automatically become more uppity because even if that's like not the majority of your town, this exists in your town. Like that was the first time I ever heard of a Thai restaurant was Montclair. Like I didn't. Me too. I no, the same. <laughs> yeah. My wife is Thai. I never heard of Thai people or Thai food until Montclair. And I mean, yeah, yeah. that place actually. I met her years later at Fortune right. House when I worked there. Yeah. It's crazy we have the same thing. Totally, man. The same memory. I remember, I thought they did that. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I thought that was a Montclair product. <laughs> That's <what Stipe> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I remember this being yeah. like Thai food. It was like, what is this? This is crap. There's no Thai people cut to my wife, my family, my child. Uh, but yeah, it was the first, in, in, uh, my first uh, experience with the Thai things. Do you guys remember too? Because I, I feel like this was probably still the case because I'm 41. I'm 33. I think this is probably still the case when you guys were coming up was it was like you could go to the Claridge and that's where you'd see like, like, Oh my God, the Cohen, like you'd hear like, Oh, there's this movie, the big Lebowski right. and it's super artsy, but it's really funny. And you could go to the Claridge, you could see all the stuff like that. And then if you want to just go see like die hard, you can go to the Wellmont and pay like, two bucks and sit in a falling apart. Yeah. Now they fixed it up. It's a concert venue and it's beautiful again, but there was some joy in being like, Oh, there's 11 people in a 300 seat auditorium in the most cracked out theater I've ever seen. <laughs> and Wellmont was great for that. Yeah. I saw iron giant at the Wellmont and I brought a date and I cried and she looked at me and she went, why are you crying? <laughs> and I went, I mean, I, I, we both realized that what town was she from? North end of Bloomfield. Yeah. Oh. You know who it was, Kathy Anthony. Oh. Name and names. <laughs> name and names. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, man. She, she just yelled at it's you for crying. Isn't that not? She yelled at you for crying in a movie theater. I don't think that's like so. Yeah, when she was in high school, maybe. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's gonna <laughs> So we let these people fly. <laughs> but it, it's wild that you it, it actually brings something up to me too, like because Greg, you're a dad now as well. I'm a dad. We actually both have kids whose nicknames are Cal. Mm -hmm. Like you could take a date in our era of North Jersey and the date would look at you and go, why are you crying? And you'd feel bad. I do feel like there was this like obsession with toughness and this aversion to vulnerability where we grew up that I think about it from the 2022 perspective and from raising my own son where I'm like, Oh my God, that put like such a weird chip on my shoulder and such defensiveness. I don't know if you guys would say the same thing, but I'm like, I have got to shake that out for my kid. Like I want my kid to be strong. I don't want him to just be a pushover. But we had a thing where if you cried, people would look at you and go, why are you doing that? And there was no world, like you couldn't be vulnerable where we grew up. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I rollerbladed. That was the equivalent to, to <laughs> tears on your feet. Okay. I got, I mean, like that was like people, my best friend who's see, I started rollerblading in the South end and all my best friends growing up were Puerto Rican. And, uh, we got, I, they essentially what happened is my skate. I would, I would get skates and then I grew out of them. So I gave them to my friend, they skated and then we all started skating together. But then Newark Puerto Ricans saw my friends were Puerto Ricans and they were like, you ain't real. You're acting like a white boy. You're acting white and all this. And I'm like, how many are acting white? I'm the only white guy here. Like, this is just, they stole so many of my bikes that we, my mom got me rollerblades because 
she literally said she goes they're gonna have to cut your fucking feet off if they want these like and you're like mom why are you yeah. <laughs> inviting them to do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but like we got rollerblades out of necessity because all of your bikes were get stolen but rollerblades were seen as this like non-tough thing so then like you degree i grew up with this like everything you have to do has to be tough or you have to so own it but literally we got our puerto rican rollerblading crew so strong that then when they would come they'd be like nah you're wrong and now rollerblading huge in newark and like east a lot of these towns i did that me you're saying that you started you personally are part of the first wave personally of tough neighborhood essex <laughs> county rollerbladers you're gonna go on record on this i'm on record is i brought rollerblades do you, did you have a nickname in this scene like if i go down to east orange today and find rollerbladers is there a name I can drop where they'd be like, oh, that's that dude from Bloomfield? Yeah, Mr. Wheels. So you know, you're descendant yeah. of Mr. Wheels. They just say that, and immediately everyone puts their knives down. <laughs> drops all their weaponry. We used to skate in like some of the worst parts of Newark not knowing what we were doing. I remember a cop grabbed us once. and be like, get off us, man. You don't. He was like, you don't understand. If you don't leave, they will kill you. Those people will come out. You are in a like a very drug dealing. Like those are drug dealers that live there that will shoot you t- because it's fun. You know, like you guys need to leave. And so, we're like, okay, we would skate away, but yeah, yeah, all the time. I also remember too, like that toughness or whatever. It was so revered, and it was such the majority that, like, man, if you were gonna be vulnerable, you were in such a. You, there's no way you could because there's gonna be no kinship with anybody there. Like high school men, like kids shot dice in the bathrooms. Oh, 100 percent. Uh, yeah. f- like I remember, uh, like uh, uh, girls were dating police officers. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> one girl, oh, okay. and he went to jail. <laughs> and I remember specifically that one, that girl who we all were in love with, dated a police officer, and then they found out about it, and that police officer, he turned, he locked himself up. He went, well, then, Kef, me, I'm going to love prison. They're like, that's not what we're calling it. We're calling it real prison. He was like, real prison, love prison. <laughs> like, nah, man, you go to real prison for this. That guy was a problem. But yeah, that guy was a problem. I re- yeah, I remember there was one day in class, like, um, the, uh, now that, yeah, I don't want to say a name, but like, um, uh, the teacher, this wasn't Terrell, this was another kid, like, the kid was being disruptive, and like, the teacher, you know, said something to him, and then he, like, screamed at the teacher, he was like, you don't know me, you don't know me, like, nobody here knows me, and like, everyone, like, cheered him on, <laughs> whereas, like, now you would be like, oh, like, yeah. he has, like, problems going on, and like, that, and also, like, that kind of behavior shouldn't be, like, revered, but it's like, that was heralded so much that to go against the grain was um, scary or impossible, you just did not do that. You brought a memory back. It was so insane. This must have been fifth or sixth grade. And the memory's a little jungly. I remember going into like, I was in fifth grade. I go into the sixth grade class to like drop off a pencil or, or bring the teacher a note or something. The lady, I remember her, the teacher says to the student, calm down. The kid stands on his desks, takes his books, <laughs> screams over his head, throws them out the window. Another kid <laughs> shuts the door, like locks the door. And I'm like, what is going on here? I don't remember exactly what happened, but the next day they had installed these red buttons that were like, you hit the red button and people come like to help you. And yeah, it was a big installed a panic button. I mean, I don't know if it was exactly for that or if it was just a coincidence, but I remember being like, we're all going to die in here. This kid's throwing books out the window and his friend (laughs) was like, you're all in here with me. What is going on here, man? I think about this type of stuff so much, especially now that like I'm raising a kid. 
and he's about to go, you know, he's a couple of years away from kindergarten in a much nicer area. Um, I think both in the sense of, um, both in the sense of maybe a school. Yes, I'm, I've made, I had the TV show, got to move to an area with a really nice school system. But also I think in this era of history, like there were incidents like that in West Orange High too, where I remember people literally getting in teachers' faces. I remember in high school, a science class where the teacher was underneath the emergency shower in the science class in case anyone gets burned and kids jumping up and pulling it so he'd be soaked for the rest of the day. And like... One thing I love about talking to other people from Jersey, especially when I meet comics from Jersey, is you guys can both have me laughing this hard about stuff like this. But then you think about it, you go, these were kids where you'd go, they were mentally ill. They were mentally yeah. ill. Or or I bet some of those kids, and I bet you guys had so many examples of some Bloomfield too, which we did in West Orange as well, where people would go, oh, well, that kid, and the kid's just back in class next day. And you go, why is that kid not suspended? And people go, oh, well, you know, yeah. his dad drinks, so they know if they suspend him, he's going to get beaten up at home. And you go, they all knew about all that shit, and they didn't help us. And our entire generation was left right. to just sit here and go like, oh, okay, I guess what you have to do is like be super tough and don't pay for train tickets so no one perceives you as weak. <laughs> because the institutional side of it, you look and it's like, we can laugh hard about it. And I'm glad we do. Because it really has a dark side when you think about what was actually happening there. Dude, to what you're saying, right? I never thought about this, but in our, from freshman to senior year, we had two teachers right. who were pedophiles. Right. We had one cop who <laughs> fucked a student. That's only right. in four <laughs> years of the Anthony right, from right, my right, freshman right. to senior year. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. that's too much. And that's only the ones who got caught. <laughs> that's the ones who got caught. Right, 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 right. We had two teachers that went to jail, one cop that I know of. One was accused, but it was because, but that, the, I don't know if it came out, but I remember like those, this, they, he failed some kid's girlfriend and the girlfriend, he failed some boy. And then his girlfriend said the teacher tried to kiss him. And I don't know what that means or what that is, but then he was out for a while, you know, uh, to all that. But I'm saying that's that's at least four <laughs> accusations yeah. in four years. And we got through it and we laugh. We have to, like, what else are we going to do except sit here and laugh in 2022 and pray that things have changed as <laughs> we now have young kids? We're sending our kids to a, a prison. It is not the highest level of prison, but public schools are the, is prison light to the very, it's the, they're the exact same. They're treated the exact same. You look at a kid the wrong way in the lunchroom, someone throws a freaking hamburger at your head. You know, they don't kill you, but it's the same. We had a wing of West Orange High called Horizons. Um, that was for like the behavioral kids. And it was like, show up whenever you want. Um, you guys, if you guys have jobs, you can leave and go work shifts. Like it's like a kind of a come and go wing of school. And the rumor was that they padlocked it shut from the outside. So like, if there was a fire, those kids were not going to be able to get, like, they kept them locked away from the rest of us. I don't know. Bloomfield have any, anything akin to that? Uh, I remember in the lunchroom kids coming, like kids that did like a uh, work school, like whatever that combination was. That was me. School to work program. School to work program. <laughs> that goes, goes one of them. I was in that. Yeah. I remember them. It was, I, I just remember them like coming in or out during lunch all the time. And I just remember feeling, I didn't feel bad for them, but I felt bad that they were treated so 
differently. <laughs> like this line of people who had jobs would come in at <laughs> a school every day. I just felt terrible for the moment that was created because of that. But, yeah. So just to shine a little light on what you're talking about as a uh, <laughs> alumni of the school to work program. So just to give you like a, like a just a basis, right. I had learning disabilities growing up riddled with learning disabilities and they didn't know how to handle them. So instead of putting me in a, you know, getting extra help or stay, whatever, they just put me into a class with, I'm just going to be honest, a kid with down syndrome, a 35 year old man. I don't know why he was still in school, but he was like 30 or something like that. I don't know why this guy was here. Uh, a kid who like punched a teacher and then like some randoms, you know what I mean? Some random kids like me who were like, why are we here? Like we just, you know, it's like, I just need glasses. They just shove us together. And so at some point, my teacher, I'm getting my life together in high school. I'm trying to get my act together in high school. And I was a really good kid. Um, but I'm like, okay, I want to go to college. The teacher says, well, you missed a class in college, but we are starting this new program called school to work where you'll do one day uh, at a work site. And she was like, this will look so good that it, the colleges won't care <laughs> that you missed some credit. So just to know what this was, is one day a week, I was student teaching in a grammar school, which was like, I had no right being in there at all. Uh, and then all, my other, all our other classes, because we were missing a day, they added 15 minutes to each class. So now we didn't even get to change classes with the rest of the kids. So like the bell would ring early for us. And then we would be screaming through the halls. as other kids are trying to learn like maniacs. You heard that Anthony? Like they would just like, yeah. they let us out early. Yeah. It was like, and then I finally go, I remember sitting down with William Patterson university on site and I go, well, look, I did this school to work program shows my hard work here. And they go, I don't know how to say this, but this is as if you didn't go to school for one year. None of these classes mean anything. You need it, not remedial. You have to go back to grammar school if you want to go to college. <laughs> it totally fucked me over as in trying to go to college. And then I ended up having to go to the University of Bergen Community or Bergen Community <laughs> College for a little while. And then um, uh, transferred out of there to William Patterson for a semester where I failed miserably because I wasn't trained. <laughs> it's one of the things that does bum me out. Like I have so much love for Jersey. So much love for the people, but I do feel like, man, there's so many towns that had a program in place that was, here's where all the people we give up go. And it does bum me out. Now I, I, I have to ask about the following because you guys have both separately and together made me laugh so hard when we talk about one topic, because we have one stark difference in our path because we came from very similar towns close to each other. I started doing comedy in college at Rutgers. And from Rutgers started taking the train in to take UCB classes. And that was how I started getting in the circuit of doing comedy in the city. There's a whole Jersey comedy scene that I was not a part of, but you guys have told me what it was like. And I want to say this too. Now that I'm moving back to Jersey, I've been making an effort. I've been going out and doing shows and meeting comics in Jersey. And there's a lot of people who are great and hardworking and setting up shows. And there's, I just did a killer show in Asbury Park, Somerville. There's great shows. There's a club in Morris Plains I'm going to perform at soon. Like places that are like far flung, but where there's cool stuff happening, cool comedians out there. There's also a weird side to the Jersey comedy scene. And you guys have made me laugh hard because you, I believe, told me that you guys first started out. Because if, if I remember the bullet points, you both realized you were funny, liked comedy, linked up in high school. 
And at some point this led to you doing sketch comedy on the top floor of a restaurant in Wayne. <laughs> and you have made me laugh so hard with some of your stories of the travels of being a New Jersey comedian. So I would love to just touch base with that because a, those stories are funny and B part of why it can be so weird. I think is when you come from a place where you're stuck in the school to work program, when you're from the town where other kids are going, don't buy a train ticket, you'll lift, look soft. It's, it's not a small leap to go, hey, who wants to come to my sketch comedy show? You know what I mean? It's a pretty, it's a, you are walking a little bit of a tightrope amongst the people you came up with. And I think you guys did that in that era. So I want to, I want to tie it all in. I got to hear some, I, I got to hear some of the stories of your time as Jersey comedians before you migrated over the river. Greg, uh, take it away, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's weird because like I was saying before, the Jersey scene or at least the scene I was in was a bunch of people telling you, you don't get famous. If you go to New York, do my bringer shows, do my open mics. And this is what, whatever. And it was a bunch of like, you know, it was like three or four comedians who were like my age were young. And then there was like a bunch of 50 year old people (laughs) with like one lady wearing a gorilla mask being like, Hey, I'm Jimmy gorilla. And then there's someone wearing like, I remember someone came with like a a cookout outfit. And they were like, I'm Billy the cook. A lot of occupational comedians in Jersey. Jersey has more occupational yeah. comedians than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like people pretending to be a welder and doing welding jokes. Like I'm Joey yeah. the Butcher. And you guys are saying that was an actual trope in your era that people would show up in like wrestling yeah. characters. It's like now I'm gonna, uh, here's my sous chef set. Like, like, there'd be times there'd be like there's two Vinny the Plumbers. You know. What I mean? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to lean into the Italian. You can lean into the plumber <laughs> stuff and we'll switch off next week. Yeah. There's so many of that. There was Joe. I remember there was, I think it was like Joe, the <laughs> Joe, the dirty fireman, because there was already a Joe, the fireman. So to differentiate himself, he was Joe, the dirty fireman because he did dirty jokes right. and they weren't even that dirty. I remember being like, so I was out the other day. I was having sex. You know what I mean? Like, Good sex. That's great. Good for you. I guess that's not, who cares? That's what we do. <laughs> But yeah, so then we started, um, Anthony and I, but we would go into the city. We would go into the city because we kind of knew that there was stuff happening there. Um, and we did our sketch show at the Roadrunner Cafe. Bar over here. Where the bullet point memories I have <laughs> yeah. over here, over here, Bar and Grill. And then right. it became, then it became the Roadrunner. Is that the place in Wayne? Ottawa, maybe? It's like around that area. It was in Wayne. Sure. Even better. Even better. Yes. It was near the, it was near the Grasshopper too, <laughs> which is where karaoke lives um we do they let us rent out this like the other room where we did these full like themed shows like the beach party where we came in beach outfits we had these beach sketches we had you know a a guy pretending to be bernie laumax who just pretend to be dead the whole show and then i remember anthony asked for a cup of vodka i remember this and the lady goes, a cup? He goes, yeah, like a cup, because he doesn't know how to stay on the rocks or neat. So she poured him a full pint glass of vodka and then said, that'll be $400. Your dad, your dad was there and he had to lobby on my behalf about how you can't serve someone a full pint glass of vodka. Because I was like, what do I do? How do I pay this bill? And your dad stepped in and he was like, I'll let me handle this situation. 
but yeah, yeah, you can't. The first show we did at Over Here Bar and Grill, we I forget what the theme was. I don't know if we had a theme for that first show, whatever it was. But we opened the show with this like super heady conceptual sketch about nine eleven, which now you know, looking back, it's like I don't know that we could pull this off now. Oh, we tried to pull it off. Then, it was 2003. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had such a painful and palpable bop as that sketch. When, and, you know, like the people in the crowd are just like Jersey, you know what I mean? Like, this is just like Jersey folk, like, you know, after like uh, they work construction all day, whatever it was. And then, you know, Greg and I are up there with like props and suits, and we have all these like sound cues for this sketch about 9 11. Oh man, yeah. Was it the was it the inappropriate seagull? That was another one. That I can't put my finger on what this nine eleven sketch was about. I just remember doing it. But the inappropriate seagull was the inappropriate seagull was just a racist bird character. It wasn't much racist. He just he was just inappropriate. Yeah, be inappropriate. Oh, man. Yeah. Ha! I don't know if it was an inside job. Ha! Like that. That's not even seagulls don't even do that. You're saying Greg's dad was there to help with the bartender, but then you're also saying there's like. A bunch of blue collar guys after work. How are you getting people to come to some random room above a bar in Totowa? Like, how are you filling up this room? They spite came. They definitely came. Like, yeah, I'll see what these stupid idiots are going to do. I'm not going to laugh. I'm going to hate it. And I'm going to let them know they're not better than me. I think that was the entire crowd. Greg brings up a great point about like, that's such a Jersey mindset. Oh, yeah. Nothing makes a person happier from Jersey than seeing someone try at something and fail it. It's exactly true. So much. Um, so it was that I think Greg's dad performed yeah. on the show. So some people were there to see him because Greg's dad had a pretty big local following of people that would come see Joe. Oh, that's right. You've told me that. Yeah. I forgot that your dad did comedy. Yeah. Local following or people he was in AA with. <laughs> Kumse, Kumse. So you bring a bunch of alcoholics to a bar with a manipulative bar- bartender. This sounds like a perfect vibe for a warm room. All of these sober older people who are seriously Greg's dad have to watch his kid do this 9 11 church. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was 50% sober people, 50% yeah, right, people from right. his church. So it was no one who would want to laugh at it. And then Anthony's grandma and family. Yeah. And like Tita, my wife yeah. now, was like the first one, first yeah. or second time she ever saw me was like at this thing and she was in the back. I remember getting off covered in sweat after we're like insane i was like what do you think now and she was like i'm in <laughs> like that's what she i guess what made her fall in love with me um and how long were you how long were you doing that because you guys said from the start you were kind of going into the city to try stuff to see stuff to keep in touch with the scene there what's the transition out of jersey like for you well, i mean we just went so like to, i always want to give credit to anthony i there was no way i could have moved to new york i was flatter than flat broke and Anthony gave me a thousand dollars. It was only a thousand dollars for the for the rent, and I so I moved to New York with forty five bucks in my pocket, and Anthony paid for my first months like that that rent or whatever that was, um, and then we just started going to UCB, and I couldn't go. I needed the iPhone to come out because the iPhone also came out that I could do GPS because uh-huh. I was so bad at directions. So I needed the, I only was able to move there because Anthony gave me a thousand bucks, which I paid him back in 2018. Jesus and, Christ, Greg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but that, to Anthony's credit, he always said the same thing. You were like, you pay me back when this is not a thing that will bother you financially. 
And uh, then when I got the writing job on the break, I was like, oh, I could do it. And I just, I just paid you back. And then, uh, and then um, I forgot where I was going, but yeah, yeah so I let that sit for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I kept trying yeah. to pay you back. You'd he'd give me like 800 and then he'd be like, I'm going to need that 800 right back. Uh, Cause there is a bill I forgot about. <laughs> But um, Greg started before me at Rascals, like doing the, like sort of the bringer circuit in Jersey, like being around like all those occupational comedians we would talk about. And then I was going there because I, I was just a, I was a big comedy nerd. And um, so I would go to the shows and like I would write tags and like we would talk about comedy and we were both kind of obsessed with it. And then um, I moved away like I, I traveled for a little bit. And then when I came back to Jersey, we both kind of decided to get serious about actually doing comedy and made the move and went to New York and started taking UCB classes and then uh, ran a show at the Creek in the cave for years and kind of uh, went less the improv right. route, which we started in and more the stand up route. But, um, but yeah, Greg and I took all our UCB classes together that made them furious. Cause we signed up under fake names and they got <laughs> Ted Toronto and Carl Lewis. Why did you they called? They, called. they were so Why mad. They were so that? mad. Uh, we got drunk. <laughs> We, we, we thought we, were we thought they yeah. were in the bits. We were like, we thought they were in the bits. It's like, we want to do this whole class as Ted Toronto and Carl Lewis. And I was like, we don't have you as taking 101. And I was like, well, Greg Coraluzzo took 101. They were like, well, then you need to be Greg Coraluzzo. And I was like, you need to learn how to have a fucking sense of humor. All right. Or Ted Toronto's going to be here the all whole year, infrastructure pal. of whatever they had to create on the business. <laughs> and we were so indignant. We were just so like, I get it. You're a comedy play. Like, we were so mad. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah no i was but i i loved the improv there and i mean i did stand up first um and then we took ucb together and i kind of wish i had the you know like stuck with that a little more because i really could have i didn't because of stand-up it burned me a little bit with like how you're supposed to act uh i didn't know how to really jump fully into the like yeah the improv scene so much i would do improv and i would like dude i would not sound whatever but i was really good at it but i didn't know the like no meet you know this is you talk to these people and you do this stuff and you get a team that's like you're you believe in and work really hard to us to me improv probably why i was so good at it was because it was just a part-time gig it was like no well, i just do this for fun like you guys don't realize how fun this is stand-up is <laughs> so mean yeah. over there do you guys look <laughs> back like we can laugh about like all the different plumber bits and over the restaurant. And we'll, we're like laughing about doing nine 11 sketches for, you know, people from AA. And there's one version of the story that's like, okay, so you were coming up in Jersey and trying it and then realized, all right, screw it. At, at some point we got to buckle down and go to New York if we want this to be like a job. And I'm sure there's truth to that. Was there any value in your time trying to take some swings in Jersey or was it just, no, that was just, <laughs> Greg's already no. shaking. I don't know though, man. I, I would say for Greg, at least like no. you, that I think really you came into your own as a performer in Jersey because less people were watching, you know what I mean? Which I think like has paid dividends later on, right. which I, I, you know, um, if that makes sense. Well, to what you're saying, I was definitely more myself when I first started in Jersey. Cause I would go <laughs> on stage in these bringer shows and I would ham that shit up. <laughs> And I was coming out being like, hell, it's not. I mean, I was on shows with <laughs> Billy the Veterinarian, you know, and I'm here doing jokes about whatever, you know, like actual things. And I would be crushing. Then we moved to New York and everyone in New York hated us because you're like, they hate new people. They're all miserable or whatever. 
and I stopped doing act outs. I did like one liners for a year because I just stopped being myself. And now finally, when I came into my own, I realized I'm more myself when I started than that New York. So I agree. I think New Jersey let me be myself more than the beginning of the New York comedy scene. Yeah. Let me be myself. I think at least for me, like I got to see all these just like really fun, strange people do comedy. So, so when I got to New York, like there was something like that. I, I had this, uh, affinity and an affection for, um, people that were like doing really like out of the box kind of stuff and not taking comedy so seriously, just cause I had seen so many crazy things in Jersey. Um, so yeah. It should also be said too, is I have such love for the New Jersey comedy scene. I think it sounds like I'm mad, but I'm not like, I loved those guys. And I, because New York comics would be like, well, get good or get out. And I'd be like, right. no, there is a place for those people. Like, you know, you know, uh, you know, Maggie, the grocer, you know, kills in her scene. And I would do shows with her and they wouldn't do, I wouldn't do well. And like, I love that. I have love for the New Jersey scene. I uh, just wished I had moved to New York a little earlier as to like catch the end of the, uh, um, all white people get things stuff. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man, you really... <laughs> well, there was a time in comedy where they would just... Where racism ruled. And I'm glad I'm not a part of that. Scene. <laughs> okay, shut up. Never mind. Leave that out. Jesus Christ. Making Bloomfield look bad. Making Bloomfield look bad. Was that rude? I don't I mean, uh, like, I so think that funny. was... A... <sighs> <laughs> I'm probably, yeah, anyway. Uh, no, no. I, I, I kind of... I appreciate my time in Jersey comedy. And you kind of see what, like a lot of those guys could go long, but they wouldn't go real deep a lot of times. And then some guys would go deep and they'd get rejected and, and, and whatever. But I, I love the, uh, I have a love for the New Jersey comedy scene. The sense I get now that I'm doing more shows out here, um, a, because I want to like support and B cause I live out here now. So it's like, ah, sometimes I don't want to like drive up through a tunnel, like go find a local show. And I do get the sense there's a lot more people now than when I was young who are having it both ways. Like people who are very, very smart right now. And one thing that I think Jersey's always been good at with the arts, which is like, you can be the big fish in the small pond out here and simultaneously be the small fish in the big pond out there. And I, I see some people who are working it and they're like kids to me. They're like 20 years younger than me where I'm like, I love it. I love that you've decided to be like the king or queen of this little micro scene in this town in Jersey where you organize things and get everything together. And then also, yeah, now I see that you're like getting put up at this club in New York or you're advertising this. I love, it's really smart. And, uh, I, I, when you meet the, uh, you know, some of the cautionary tales of Jersey artists is like the self-defeating, pe self-defeating people who are like, come up with 101 reasons to never actually try. Right. But then the hustler side of it, I'm like, oh, when you see a good Jersey hustler who's burning the candle at both ends, making it work in all directions, I still am like, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad there's so many out there. Because that was me. I was the biggest fish in the Rutgers University comedy scene in my era, and then <laughs> struggling to survive uh, on the other nights of the week up at UCB. And I'm glad that that I'm glad that lineage is still strong too. It's cool, man. Yeah, I'm spending a lot more time in Jersey now because of the grandparents. I'd, I and I feel as though because we've it's been a long time since we've been in Jersey. I'm sure the scene is different because everything because the internet and all this stuff. Like you, you don't have to necessarily go to New York. I'd love to like see the Jersey scene more and, and, and help build it and kind of get these guys to be really good. Now I'm in Wayne right now. I'm at my, my, uh, the grandparents house or whatever. 
And uh, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know if there's shows around here. It's like, dude, there's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening out here. I'll, uh, I'll fill you in. But guys, this was so fun. I'm glad we finally made it happen. I feel like now I can stop uh, harassing you with stories like this every time I see you in a green room. But it's it's funny too because we've walked like. And I want to say this too, if there's any fans of mine out there hearing this going like, I feel like I recognize these guys. One thing that I loved that I always feel like ties in exactly to what you guys were talking about. When we did the CGP thing on public access after my show ended, a lot of those people were like very much from the alt scene. Um, But you guys came in. If anybody listening remembers, these are the two guys who did Iron Man 4, (laughs) right? Was it Iron Man or or, 4 or 5? And it was like... (laughs) It was supposed to be, we were supposed to do another one, another follow-up and then COVID. I think it had just got canceled from COVID. Oh yeah, COVID. But I always am like, man, Anthony and Greg, like, I I think of you guys as club comedians and I think a lot of people would if they just looked at your schedule, but you've also got a fucking screw loose in your head where you'll dress up as Galactus and go on public access TV and just put every ounce of energy into that as well. And I feel like that's probably got to be the same part of you that's doing fucking inappropriate seagull bits in Totowa and just has the thickest possible skin you can fucking imagine. Cause it's never going to be weirder than that, you know? And it gives you so much freedom. I've always admired you guys greatly for shit like that. Thanks man. Well, thanks. Yeah. We feel the uh, exact same way about you. Yeah. I would say. I'm old and over the hill and happy to talk about other people at this stage of my life, but uh, it's such a joy. It's such a joy. And Greg, I love that you just came out and said the quote, West Orange people have money, but like to pretend they don't really rings true to me on many levels. So that one's sticking in my head. And I really appreciate this inside look at what the brains of people raised in Bloomfield are like. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World, where New Jersey is the World. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.